Welcome to Market Proof Marketing, the podcast from the Marketing Minds at DUConvert.com, where we talk about the current state of all things digital and how they impact home builders and developers around the globe. We're not here to sell you, we're here to help you and to try and elevate the conversation. I'm Kevin Oakley, and with me today, as always, is the ad doctor, Andrew Peak. We're here, episode 82 with Jackie. And Hi, I think everyone. this is uh, the first one after Christmas, right? I feel like this Christmas holiday, New Year's season has just been never ending. Yeah, right? and this yeah. Uh, officially marks the third calendar year, I think, of the podcast, too, which is oh. it was crazy to think about as I was That's bringing in the trash time. can. It hit me. <laughs> We've been doing this three different years now. Man. That's awesome. It's crazy. Yeah. So any favorite Christmas presents? Ooh. I have too many to name. Right. Oh, really? My favorite <laughs> yes. one was self-purchased, which happens Ooh. when you get old anyway. It does. <laughs> I splurged and got the third monitor. Andrew, you and I were talking about that right before oh, the nice. holidays. Mm-hmm. And I had two 32-inch curved displays connected, but that meant that everything right in the center of the screen, I was always kind of looking off to the side on coaching calls. And so now I've got a smaller third monitor right in the middle. And it's it's oh, marvelous. Just having three, no laptop screens needed. These are full displays and nice. Right? That's awesome. That's yeah. uh, yeah, my favorite too. I I feel like I totally redid my office setup, not my where I'm in, but so I got a. I used to have two 27 inch monitors, then I got a 32, and that's like my main one in front of me. Mm-hmm. 27 inch to my right, and then I have my other 27 that I'm going to put, I think, on the wall and have like something permanently on that screen over there. Hmm. And then I got a Stream Deck. Which, yeah, Kevin, I, I think you got one a while ago. Yeah, yeah. about a year. I think I think last year Christmas, ago. actually, I got one. And it's yeah. like a programmable keyboard. You could put icons and display. And you could, it's pretty much, it looks like your phone if you think about icons and folders, like nested. Mm-hmm. You could put whatever yeah. one there. And then a new chair, which oh, came, uh, the chair. I forgot the brand, but Mike recommended it. I don't know how much it costs, but it's, it's amazing. <laughs> I've been sitting like all day. That's I'm essential. Like, this is awesome. Like, it's more essential than you realize when you have a bad yeah. chair. Mm-hmm. You don't realize how much it's it's useful to you to have a good Until one. Until you get in the new one. And at first I'm like, oh, this is weird. But then like after a few hours, I'm like, oh, my like, not that I would have like issues sitting all day, but I'm like, oh, my leg feels funny. I'm going to get up and walk around. <laughs> and this, I, yeah. I haven't even noticed that I'm sitting. My favorite gift received. This is going off like this helps outside of work too, that I have more time to spend doing things but oh. i got the roomba finally ah. i'm like so i'm like three years past but i see the hype now it is amazing and you have two floors i think right yes this i have two floors so you're able to program it to uh know both layouts oh, okay. and you do the like nice. little bar like the little strip sensor so it knows not to like throw itself down the steps oh, <laughs> terrifying <laughs> but it's amazing i i definitely feel like i've been missing out yeah. oh let's hop into story time the first story time of 2020 jackie what do you got well uh, this one is just a little tidbit before i jump into my real story time but uh, kicking off 2020 just to let everyone who's listening know i am expecting baby number two. Oh yeah that's news that was so leading all... news section stuff but that's, you can you can do right, it right, I, right. <laughs> I, I feel like that's a good lead-in little crumb news. for my story so I will be expecting a baby boy in June, which we're very excited about. So that's a quick, that's a quick one. And the 50-50 is on, baby number one's name is Winter. 50-50 betting right now on whether summer is. um, (laughs) I know. If I had a dollar for for (laughs) everyone that's recommended that one so far, I don't know if this boy would like having that. The odds just changed to 20%. (laughs) Zero. (laughs) Right. Just snow or something silly. But 
have to keep you guys posted with that. Wow. But jumping into a quick story, this is just more or less a PSA now that we're kicking off the new year. Just more or less a reminder for everyone with managing and cleaning up your email and prospect lists. I know that, you know, it's one of those things that for how rapid technological innovation is, especially nowadays, email is still continuing to thrive as more or less an essential method of communication one-on-one. So it's more or less be able to go through, make sure you're looking at open rates, removing people that have just been hanging out, not doing too, too much for a very long time. I know we've mentioned this a handful of times last year, but just, you know, going in, it's just smart. You don't need to send out lists with, you know, 20,000 people (laughs) on it. I mean, that's Mm -hmm. just something we we like, you know, it's better to have kind of a meaty, heartier list with less people that could end up, you know, with an above average unsubscribe rate. And another way to, and I thought I'd drop this in. I know some companies still use the do not reply email (laughs) addresses when sending emails, which just a quick reminder, it's always smart to have someone set up because why wouldn't you want to hear drug feedback from people? So just a thought real quick in case anyone that is still... I just want to add a little additional piece of that for those of you who have an online salesperson, you'll know that we recommend not having the marketing emails ideally coming from that person, the the big, pretty uh, newsletter style email pieces coming from that person because people won't feel likely, you know, they're not going to click reply and say, I have a question about this most of the time. However, as if it's coming from a real person and it's a text only message that seems personal ish, they may hit reply and ask a question or say, I'm ready to take the next step. So we do recommend that. However, you're making a good point, Jackie. We would never say you should just abandon checking that that email box either. You just have it reforwarded back through to your OSC so that if someone does happen to mm-hmm. reply back with a question or give feedback, that person can still respond. But you, you want to separate the from part of the email so that they don't get confused and start ignoring personal messages from your OSC either. Mm-hmm. And with even that, just be smart with your lists. I know when I was talking to a builder partner recently, they had me working on a couple of things, whether it's the you know pretty company newsletter with more of the general information and then diving into drip campaigns and some of those having overlapping lists. You have to be careful with how much information you're bogging down for your prospects because at the end of the day, those important drip campaigns, they can get lost or muddied in with all the other general emails as well. How about you guys? Anything good? Yeah. Anything juicy for story time? Yeah, I got a, um, well, it could be quick, but I feel like we could have a whole like episode on it. So the past, let's see, I think two weeks I've transacted, I've purchased things from companies that I'm not familiar with. Mm-hmm. So usually if I were to buy something, it'd be Amazon mm-hmm. and I could look right there. It says when it will arrive, pretty much hundred percent accuracy, like where I'm at. I'm like an hour from distribution center. So all that stuff. So this, I I bought, I think it was four different places. And I'm like, this is really weird and uncomfortable. Like, cause I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. And so I started having all these feelings, <laughs> which is really strange. Like these are like a pair of shorts. Like, why am I like worried about like, Oh, where are they at? I bought this three days ago. I haven't got an email yet. And they're like 25 uh-huh. bucks. Um, then another Kevin, you and I were talking about like the whole closet doing our uh-huh. closet system. I got that started and then I'm like, oh, I need corner pieces and they don't sell corners at locally at Home Depot. I'm like, okay, I have to go to the brand and actually buy it from their website. 
I'm like, okay. So I dropped some change on that. <laughs> like, when are these getting here? And then I go to their site and like most things ship within seven to 10 business days. Oh, I'm like, we've been spoiled. Like, you know, everybody spoils us with that two day shipping. And I'm like, I didn't even, and I, I didn't have a choice, but I'm like, okay, what in the world? And so it was just going on and on like, this is really weird. But what it did for me is like made me think like I'm so used to Amazon. Like, and I think a lot of people listening are used to Amazon or they're just click the button. They don't worry about it. But I think if you go to like buying a home, there's all those uncomfortable feelings. Like what is going to happen? Mm-hmm. Times, you know, times 1000. So with Amazon, we yeah. have like the dates and promise dates. And of course it's like a $20 item, completely different than a home. But just as far as I think we're, we're getting more and more trained by who we frequently purchase with the expectations. And so when we don't have those things that make us comfortable and make us not want to send an email to, you know, support at closet mate or whatever website, you're sitting there like, Oh, what's, what's happening? Oh, there's little things you could probably improve on your own. If you're the, the marketer at your builder that could ease those, those tensions or create friction that you might not actually think are there, but they are there. Yeah. Like and you don't want to have there. to have the systems that Amazon has Oh no! I mean, you could no. simply communicate. I think the biggest thing that I heard you say was just if you buy something, you're not getting any updates or or email communication from the company about the status of it. That's a that's that shouldn't be happening in today's mm. world at all. And, and, and it's so happen. easy to send an update, you know. Well, but it is and it yeah, isn't. So that's update. that's where I was going to take us off the rails. Is yeah. the bigger question behind the question is how much do you want to invite your customer to be part of the process? And I can tell you emphatically that builders, mm-hmm. for the most part, want nothing going out on a regular basis that's going to potentially cause a c- customer to respond to them. So that's that's the problem behind the problem is we've talked before when the market has gotten really good in, in 2018 and 2019, some builders are saying, you know what, we're not building homes for customers anymore. Nope. You just wait until this house is done. And then when it's done, you can buy it, you can close and all is well because the market's good enough that the, when they're ready to sell, they sell it quickly. And so, you know, builders intentionally choosing not to work with customers. That's the kind of thing I'm talking about here where it's not hard uh, but do you want to invite that? I, I think about like healthcare has gone through the same challenge. Consumers mm-hmm. are now way more involved in telling doctors specifically what they think is wrong and what, yeah. you know, I was on a WebMD. And, and there's no getting around it because if that stuff gets messed up, you lose an arm or die. Right. So, so like healthcare, I think is starting to figure out, we got to, we got to create this partnership reality. And I don't think builders are anywhere close to understanding that nowhere. Close. Yeah. It, It'd be interesting to see mm-hmm. like the data on like, will those conversations take place anyways, but now it's a negative conversation because it's coming from the person who's concerned and creating their own answers in their head. Like, oh, nothing's happened in a month. They must hate us and they're doing this on purpose because yeah. of some weird reason. That'd be true. And they're crazy. But it's, it's mm-hmm. because if it is silent. The biggest amount weird. of effort and work around this currently is without a doubt, simply trying to set expectations as low as possible. Right. And, and then not that that's yeah. a, a bad yeah. movie either. We've we've had Paul Cardis come to the summit before and talk about inoculating your customers with with better expectations of things will go wrong and here's how we handle them. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm saying is people saying, well, we just need to get the sales team and everyone in the office to more clearly communicate. Permits are going to take who knows how long. Don't call us. Don't ask. <laughs> like that's that's where all the effort from the C-suite in trying to get the front line. And, and that's that's funny. Uh, eventually it'll change because someone will do it right and then everyone will copy. But for right now, I, I just don't even think anyone's willing to l- to learn those lessons. 
And how about the people, even if you do tell them, they don't remember all those different key dates and things. It's like constant reminding. Well, no, we gave you the five-inch binder comes. at the time you the bought the right. You should know on the sign. That's your sign that weird thing. Go read that thing again. <laughs> I guess that's, uh, yeah, expectations and education around then, like the some of the builders starting podcasts and things okay. like that. Too. The other thing I want to talk about with you guys quickly is Ooh. all these companies are training all customers on what to expect, correct? So mm-hmm. Amazon has so. set that expectation of fast shipping. And what's so interesting is that almost all of these companies that have set these amazing expectations are most of the time unprofitable. Meaning <laughs> without Amazon Web Services, AWS, the thing, the, the huge profit engine that keeps Amazon floating, Amazon would be out of business. They wouldn't be able to sustain what they're doing. We saw with Uber and Lyft when they went public, not sustainable, not profitable, investors looking in the other direction. All this stuff that we're creating this expectation for, I mean, that consumers, it'll be interesting. They're, they're either going to eventually have to just pony up and say, I'm so hooked on this convenience now. Go ahead and make an Amazon Prime membership $1,000 a year because I'll pay it. Mm-hmm. But I think that's this other thing that yeah. I, I do feel, for, for those who think I'm being too hard on builders with my last comment, the other side is, a lot of this stuff, like you have no chance of doing if as a home builder, you want to remain exceptionally profitable, meaning the, the, the highly technological solutions to some of these problems or, or non-technological, I, like let's hire yeah, 50 I people think, to just make everyone feel good. Yeah. I think if there was a spectrum of like Amazon is a 10 out of 10, as far as expectations and like everything, yeah. as far as what we're being trained and say builders are all over the place, as far as having communicating expectations and, and educating other uh, buyers, I think probably some of that could just be like up one notch and not for be, sure. And that goes back to what like we were just saying. A little like, bit, like, just yeah. sending something out would solve the problem. So it goes back to that yeah, psychological underpinning of we don't want to talk to customers. So I think there is, but, but that's, I, I think the people trying aren't going to do the easy stuff first. They're going to try to figure out how do we automate this thing and make it amazing like Amazon. So it's just this big chasm. Yeah. You got to be careful of when you're thinking around this problem. Sure. A super quick period on that one with mine is so one of the companies was completely silent with it as far as the order. <laughs> Amazon is like, all this stuff is happening, yeah. track it on the map, know everything. Right. But then the one that was right in the middle was like, hey, your order's being processed, it'll be shipped within 24 hours, blah, blah, blah. Then sure enough, like the next day, I get, I get the tracking number. I'm like, oh, cool. Like, I don't know them, but I know something's happening. So it's, you know, zero, right. nothing, and then just a little bit. And then Amazon, where it's, here's every little thing. We're 10 stops away, we're six right. stops away. Don't need that. Nope. Yeah. Okay. They, they could have done up. one email and been mm-hmm. you know, 10,000% better than where they are right <laughs> now. Okay. Yep. Sweet. Exactly. All right. My story time is working with a builder partner, someone who's new to the industry, not new to digital marketing or marketing at all. This person came from consumer packaged goods, online retailer. Mm-hmm. And so very mm-hmm. sharp, but hyper-focused on what that person knows, which in this case is let's create a lot of sticky things, downloadables, et cetera, to get people's emails and then just email them. And so was extremely focused on on two parts of that. One is obviously, how do we just get people to a landing page or, or something that is going to capture that contact information? And then secondly, creating a what I think of as incredibly complicated series of 10 to 12 messaging things that occur oh because of what they're doing, right? So it's not rocket science, but it's it's more complex than necessary. Whereas in, in the meantime, this 
individual's company that, that they joined, you know, the reason they were brought in is, be- and this is, I think, the third marketer who has tried to tackle the challenge that this particular builder has is their current website converts at like 0.25%. And oh, there is no product information problem, right? on the site. It's just community information. So you want to know about those 12 homes that are available for quick move-in? Not there, really. Like there's some small little text links yeah. at the bottom of certain pages that will open up a PDF. So it's just, and they're working on, on building a new site. There's that, but there's just so many fundamentally broken issues that it was a good reminder to me that, you know, this person I believe will get there quickly, but there's this built in temptation that marketers have to always start with what you know the most about or feel the most confident in. But that doesn't mean it's the most important thing for you to be working on. You know, the, the email marketers are always going to gravitate back towards email. Uh, the, the content marketers are always going to... And, and so there's no one size solution that fits every builder. So you got to make sure you're, you're checking your knowledge at the door. That's a bad way to say it. But you understand what I'm trying to communicate there? Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. I know what you mean. Well, we've talked about yeah, before, I mean, Andrew. I even, like, I think I even do that. Yeah, back in like, the day, especially before you joined us, you're like, I oh, was yeah. mostly a PPC guy. And so the answer like, was... Where's my more, conversions? I'm used yeah. to like 500 sales a day to optimize. Mm-hmm. You don't have that. 500 homes a year, that's a little different numbers to, to deal with. Yeah, it, it was definitely a, a learning curve for a while. Some, sometimes when you're stuck in that bubble too, it's hard for you to get out of, see kind of a different picture, how that could almost drive people away rather than bring more people into. Well, and especially changing industries because th- mm-hmm. that might yeah. be if you went to another similar online package, consumer package, good company, that might be the most important thing for you to work. I don't know. I've never, I've never sold uh, small packets of anything <laughs> over the internet. So yeah. me either. you just, you just got to be careful. And, and the hard, extra hard part for this person is that those around them are not digital natives. They, d- they don't understand this either. So they're just like, please help us. We need solutions. And, and so there's extra urgency in this situation that I think is making it tough. But just a reminder, d- don't keep going back to the well on that one thing that you feel very confident in. Instead, use, use all the excuses that 2020 and a new year brings to create uh, new areas of, of confidence and knowledge instead of just continuing going back to that same place again and again. And then also remember as you're setting goals and resolutions and whatever else for the new year that you want to accomplish work-wise, remember that the winning intersection is almost always in finding something that can solve both an internal and an external problem at the same time. So if external customers, your actual customers buying homes are complaining or having problems with something, and your internal customers starts uh, department, production department, finance department, if they're having challenges on their end that they're communicating to you, look for where those things overlap and then look for the one that can, it can be solved the easiest with the, with the fastest rate of return and that'll build your street cred. So just a reminder, always look for that intersection of internal and external problems and you're trying to figure out what to focus on in the new year. For a lot of people, that is a website. Right, that's a, that's a perfect example of if your current CMS, the backend system, makes you want to pull your hair out, and uploading photos is a tedious job that that seems to take ten times longer than it should, or keeping them organized, and your external customers can't find content on your site. So, like a website's mm-hmm. a, one of those perfect examples of something that overlap kind of clearly exists most of the time. It's good. I love that, Kevin. Yoda. I feel like that's such a good reminder going into the new year. With it's super it. easy to fall into the trap of. 
well, I'm being mm-hmm. nagged about this continually in a meeting, so I'm going to solve that this year. But if your customers really don't care and it's not going to improve your sales result or your profitability or your, your long-term referral rate increase, right? you gotta, you got to figure out how you balance those internal pressures from what the customers like really want. Fixing a leak with a Band-Aid. Like even if you do something real quick to f- fix a problem, like you need at the end of the day a solid permanent solution yep. that's going to really do something rather than just be temporary too. Exactly. So. Okay. Awesome. That will take us over to the news. And we're going to start with, that's right, Andrew, the 2020 <laughs> International year. Builders it Show. Year, how many days? It's Yay! like 20, it's like right two weeks ago, two weeks away. I don't even know. It's really soon. Really 19 days. Yeah. Can you guys believe it? I feel like I, I know you'd mentioned I it was coming up quick it. and now it's already right around the corner all. for you. Hope it snows again. No, That'd be it's, cool. it's insane. <laughs> yeah, it does seem to always... Well, it snowed when I was in, I, in Vegas for last year's mm-hmm. show. And then when I was back in Vegas for Zillow's conference, it was like record setting. The, the last time it was that cold was the International Builders Show. <laughs> so it's going to happen again. It's wow. just like, please. It's going to happen. I've never... I don't think I've ever even put a toe inside of a pool in Vegas anytime I've ever been there. It's never been warm enough to... No. Well, to be a thing. All right. So let's talk quickly through the different sessions that do you convert will be presenting. And also if there's any other sessions you're interested in, or want to give a shout out to, we'll do that as well. We have uh, clash of the Titans season number three, uh, which is where marketing mega minds debate today's hottest topics this year. We've got Dennis O'Neill, Will Diederstadt, Ooh. Elena money, Lucy Woltland from Zillow, Fine. Christy Allen, and myself are all doing that. And it is, it's a really fun session, but this year, based upon some of the feedback that we've gotten, we're also going to increase the education. So we've always called it edutainment. It's been a little bit more on the entertainment side. And this year we're going to task the moderators. So it's a debate setup. There are two people debating an idea. I'm not going to tell you what those ideas are yet. That would be Mm -hmm. a spoiler for season three. (laughs) So I love being able to say that about a talk at the Builder Show. But the moderator at the end will do a better job, hopefully this year, of kind of presenting a clear winning argument with some takeaways to be able to get that education side beefed up. But it's going to be a blast. I feel like Will Duderstadt and Elena are are going against each other. Dennis and Christy or Christy and Lou. It's going to be... It'll be fun. It'll be fun. And that is on Wednesday, January 22nd. You can see all the details on all these at doyouconvert.com slash IBS dash 2020 as well. And there'll be links in the show notes for, for more details. But that's that's session number one. Uh, session number two is a really fun session from none other but our very own Jen Barkin, as well as Alyssa Smith, Andrew Gotsman, and Ingrid Prince as part that's of the a fun panel, panel. Uh, in her presentation yeah. as well. So that'll be fun. Yeah, we've, we've had Ingrid and... Aunt, no. Maybe just Andrew on the podcast, but Ingrid should be on the podcast. Ingrid, if you're listening, uh, you know who Mm -hmm. to reach out to. And so it'll be an awesome panel with with punch and focus and and takeaways. Sometimes panels are just like, what do you think? I don't know. What do you think? These, by the names of those people on there, it will not be that. It'll be great takeaways. But the title of the session is From Online Lead to Onsite Sales, Creating a Seamless Buyer Journey. So how do we, you know, not just online sales only, but how do we make that seamless transition to the on-site sales team for higher conversions and a better customer experience. That's going to be awesome. That's on Wednesday, January 22nd. It's the same well. time, isn't it? Man, I don't want to keep... I'm third. It's another one that I probably need to talk about. It's the first time, shockingly, even to myself, when I say this out loud, it seems weird. For the first time ever, 
I'll be talking about pre-sale without fail at the International Builder Show. So it's it's a topic that I've never covered, despite it it being something that's near and dear to my heart for uh, many, many years, almost a decade now. So that session will be on Thursday, January 23rd. It'll be an hour, but I am it's hard to get it all in an hour. So the handout, the digital handouts for this session will be a little bit beefier. Those are those are due here soon, so I'm just wrapping those up. But it's going to be hard to get through the whole book in an hour. But we're going to focus on on the big pieces, and then the, we'll let the handouts help you guys take it the rest of the way home because we'll just we won't have enough time there. And then Andrew, you've got something coming up on Thursday. January yeah, so I'll 23rd. be talking about Google Ads. So the five mistakes builders make with Google Ads and how to fix them. It's in the Tech Bytes room, which this year it's pretty cool. Kevin, you've experienced this where it's one stage, bigger room. And then you have headphones on. So it's like silent disco, right? Oh, yeah. So when you walk in, it's not people doing silent disco. No, it's dancing. There's no music. (laughs) But they will have different colored headsets. And you'll be able to tell, I think, visually what they're listening to by the color of the headset. If it's it's one side of the stage or the other. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah, yeah, so that's a in the tech bites. I I think everyone listening, if you've been, those are typically shorter. So that's a half hour. So if you want to mix around, start with mine, go see Kevin if you want to do whatever. Well, one of the great things about the tech Three, bite sessions too four, is that usually you have yes. office hours, mm-hmm. which is where your chance to get more interactive. Bring your computer over to to the ad doctor and say, take "Hey, take a look at this." Like you got to you know, rebuild based on it. What you just Sorry. said, what you think? No. <laughs> <laughs> Can you give us one of the five mistakes? Ooh, is that the, is that a, is it, that a thing? Well, if I say like the over Ooh, keywords, that may be a little like, tease there. It's yeah. so boring, but it's five mistakes. In my mind, I'm trying to like make it not so simple, but it really. There's a lot of simple mistakes that on top of each other just makes it a complete waste of money. But it's all based on like seeing these things in real life over the past years of working with builders. Mm-hmm. So it's it's definitely proven as far as like this mistake definitely is a huge mistake and you should never do this mistake versus like, <laughs> oh, I really think this okay, is a bad so- idea, but it you know, say display ads on Google, like that's just a terrible thing. I don't, I don't even know if I want to say that because to me, that's just so obvious. But to some people, it's not. They have to spend their money and they just have to spend it. So it gets weird. Like if I, if I think too yep. much about it, I'm like, well, they're, they're on Google Display because they're forced to spend that money on Google Display, maybe. But it's... Well, and I'm going to be your your official yeah. hype man for hype this it. session because from all the data we can see and any data that's ever been published, we are at least twice as effective as we, meaning you and, and Becca. Oh, wow. <laughs> you convert. <laughs> when yeah, it comes go. to Google Ads... Twice as efficient and effective yeah. as anything that we've ever seen published by, by anyone else in the space. So it's it's your chance to go learn from the best, literally, when it comes to Google Ads. I'm stealing the phrase from you, but I think you're, you're the first that said it, but it's been stuck in my head. I think the biggest thing, and, and this I'll say, it's it's is take what you can with Google and that's that's it. Don't force anything from it. Just take the good stuff and then go elsewhere mm-hmm. with your money. So that's kind of like the foundation yep. to think about. And that's part of why I, what you just said with the results is there's no forcing of the spend it just to just spend the money yep. to spend the money to hit the budget. It's just take what you can that's good and then move the other budget elsewhere. Exactly. That'll be fine. All of these that's sounds be fine. so I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, that's Thursday. Yeah. That's Wednesday. Yeah. yeah. It's a long week over there in, in Vegas. Next year, it's next, next year, not next year. 2021, it's back in Orlando, which I... Didn't think it was coming back to Orlando for some reason. Ooh, I don't know. That's not too far from here. I thought that. So I'll drive to that one. <laughs> what are you both looking forward to? Is there is it more like getting to be face to face with all of our favorites in the industry? What do you both look forward to the most about mm-hmm. IBS? That's right. 
Kevin, you want to go first or I'll go first either way. Oh yeah. For me, it's definitely eating with other people, whether it's breakfast, we usually have a breakfast meetup. If you're part of the market proof marketing group, you'll see that where Will and I invite a whole bunch of people to come eat waffles or pancakes in a, (laughs) I was going to make some reference to World War III. Just to to get together, but whether it's breakfast is lunch, dinner, just, you know, finding those people like you're saying that you want to reconnect with or spend some more time with. But when you're when you're connecting around food, something just more fun and interesting happens than just talking about metrics, mm-hmm. right? You hopefully get to that next level of conversation where um, you, you're getting to more of the whys behind what's happening than just the what's happening. Yeah, and that's, that's my yeah. favorite part. Maybe it's because we're all we're all remote, but it's nice seeing people in someone said it. I'll set it in 3D. In real, in real life, it's it's nice, and then of course those that go to the builder show, it's there's that common interest and theme of of doing things better, and so that's 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 just always there. So yep. it's very easy conversation and and connecting oh, with so people that are that are new. You might not you may have, might have not ever met them, and it's still yeah. like, hey, we're here for this for the same purpose. This is awesome. Mm-hmm. I've been a bad planner myself in terms of sessions that I'm going to attend and what's Me being too. presented. So. The, I did, don't have a whole lot of things that yet. We'll, we'll probably make a blog post yet before the show of, of maybe our top 10 things we're looking forward to attending or, or watching people talk about. But I do know there is, they made a change to the master sessions this year. Those, I believe, are all happening on Monday, January 20th. Master sessions are long, three-hour sessions, more in-depth on a particular topic. Oftentimes, you need a ticket to attend uh, or at least to, to reserve your seat. And they're they're excellent. But I think the year, the fact that they've changed some of them to Monday may mean that if your travel plans might just mean you're going to miss out on these. So I wanted to, to put at least this one out there that there is a master session with uh, Jeff Shore, Will Duderstadt, and Rhonda Conger on Monday, January oh. 20th from 9 to 12 on 10 ways to shorten the buying cycle. And of all the master sessions that, that I looked at, that's definitely the one that I would make sure to attend. I mean, you just think about the, the cost to bring... Uh, Jeff Shore or Rhonda Conger to your organization to be able to just go see both of those folks. I mean, in one place, theoretically pays for your hotel stay, food, everything you're going to do. Just be able to, deserve to a nap see after them that. talk, and then like three hours with those three individuals, yeah. <laughs> you will your brain. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm not. Yeah, exactly. Will Will is obviously fantastic to listen to as well. He just I don't believe is going to let you pay him to come talk to you know the corporate team at Pulte or any of those, like if you work for a True. larger builder, he, he may not be on the guest list. So uh, because he's the head of marketing at, at MI homes here in Columbus. So yeah, definitely one. check that session and those three people out, but you're going to have to make sure you fly in early because oh, yeah. that Monday. is on Monday right now. We'll take a quick break. And when we come back, we're joined with special guest, Abby Murata from Apostle tech. Apostle tech, for those of you who don't know is, what we believe anyway is the premier Salesforce implementation organization for our industry. And so super excited to have Abby on. We don't talk just about CRM. We talk about a lot of different things. So stick around. We'll be right back. And we're back with Abby Murata, the VP of People and Culture at Apostle Tech, one of the most well-known names in CRM in our industry. And 
built off of a platform that is extremely interesting to all people, Salesforce. We'll talk more about that in a minute. But Abby, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Now, let's go quick into your origin story. You have not been a lifelong CRMer. You spent time at a home building company. Talk to us a little bit about that background and actually multiple home building companies about that experience and kind of your journey that led you finally to CRM. Absolutely. So yes, I've been in home building for over 17 years, started selling homes for a large builder. And over the course of my career, I've worked for large private builders, very large public builders, very small regional builders, and just kind of moved from sales into sales management. And then my last stop at a home builder was as the national director of sales operations and training for that company. And I had the privilege of taking our entire organization through a system change when it came to sales tools. Wow. So that's actually, yeah. So I, I, obviously I use the CRM. I probably was one of those managers who didn't do the best job of holding my own team accountable to a CRM. We used a lot of spreadsheets. And, and when you think about where we are just in our, our world and our time frame. 17 years is a long time because yeah. when I started, <laughs> when I started selling and then managing, there were no systems. We barely had been introduced to the concept of using the internet. It wasn't out there. And then of course, now we're in a completely different space. And so it is kind of a journey to start embracing and getting into the CRM. But Taylor Morrison, we were using multiple systems and we decided to embark on a project to consolidate and to try and get our sales and our marketing teams into one tool. And so I really got to dive into this process. And when you spend a year of your life really focused on investing dollars and time in creating something that was this big of an undertaking, all of a sudden you have a much larger appreciation for what it can do and to actually using it and holding yourself accountable to, to using it. So I kind of came around myself to the importance of the technology and what it can really do for us. And it was such an interesting process on the customer side, working for a home builder. And I had the opportunity to meet with a lot of my peers who are going through this. What systems are you using? Mm -hmm. You know, what are your challenges? And I started learning that we as an industry are continually every few years, we're turning over our CRMs or as we grow, our tools aren't working for us. And there's so much new coming in when it comes to marketing and all the ancillary pieces that connect to our CRM. And so I decided that I really wanted to help home builders figure this out, whatever they were going to do and do it right. And that's why I kind of moved to where I am today at Apostle Tech and out of working directly for one home builder. Okay, that was an incredibly well-spoken and eloquent introduction. But knowing our audience and, and home builders in general, in Pittsburgh, we used to call people who are nosy or like in your business as nebby neighbors. I didn't grow up in Pittsburgh, so that was a term I had to learn. What is nebby? <laughs> But all people, probably half the audience anyway, is like, okay, she said multiple home builders. All I care about is I'm going to go figure out who she... So we're not, not necessarily in any order, but Park Square Homes, Taylor Morrison, Ashton Woods, these are names that you most likely know or are aware of. So your background is extensive and, and varied. But that challenge of CRM is one of the reasons that we asked Abby to, to hop on is because as marketers, CRM is 
Well, Andrew, we found it's kind of falls into one of two buckets most of the time. It is, I'm not going there. Like, nope, nope. In a coaching call or mm-hmm. Andrew will ask a question about lead count or what is the responsiveness of a certain lead source or how, what's the rating look like? And, and marketers are like, ah, it's like, it's like Dracula in the, or the cross. They just kind of hold it up like CRM. No, <laughs> I don't go there. It's a place where all the data is wrong and inaccurate and salespeople lie to me and they just tell me how bad I'm doing and I don't go there. Or there are those who will dip their toe in to some of the basic functions, but don't understand, like you were saying, Abby, that it can be a tool for marketing, for research and insight, not just a way to make sure that salespeople are doing what they're supposed to be doing, in air quotes, from the man or the woman at at the top of the organization. So let's start in as real world as we can get. Just in your time at any of the three organizations that you were there, obviously Taylor Morrison and and that big, long, in-depth process has, we could could do five episodes probably on breaking down that, that journey and experience that you had or more. What do you find are any commonalities of CRM systems being underutilized or brought in or created for the wrong purpose? Just some general kind of like quicksand concepts that, that you see around CRM more, more broadly at, at home building organizations. Sure. So I think probably the biggest ones are we use them the wrong way from a management standpoint. So they're created and implemented kind of, as you said, to be a really big stick or a way to micromanage a group of people who traditionally and in their personality and what they do for a living, that just doesn't, Mm. it doesn't sit well. Secondly, we don't implement them with a little bit larger, a bigger picture in mind, and we don't train and continuously train correctly. So we're, we're giving someone a tool we're using it to micromanage them. We're not giving them enough support. And then we're surprised when the marketing team or the management team wants to go in and get data out and the data is bad or non-existent. Mm-hmm. And I, I, that's what I see across the board, small builders, big builders. We think we're going to put this tool in place and it's magic. The CRM is magic. It's going to give us ROI. It's going to magically know how to put the right prospects in front of our sales team. And it's going to do all of this stuff. So we don't think we need to invest our own time and human capital in it in ourselves. Yeah. I mean, that's that's definitely the biggest one that we see too. Even when sometimes in larger organizations, you know, multi-division, multi-state companies will ask the question, like, who runs or manages your your CRM internally? And they're like, what do you mean? We're like, well, who's the point person? I'm like, well, no, we just email the CRM company and we tell them to fix this or fix that or ask for help. I'm like, it's just a window into the insight of how important they really understand or think this is. You know, there is no one person who is spearheading on a day-to-day basis because there's, there's lots of things that can go really, really well. And there's lots of, like you said, that ongoing training and implementation assistance is, is also critical. Absolutely. Yeah, no. And, and like it, we do, we see it kind of everywhere. When we come in, you know, we're looking at, CRMs, and that's typically how we get involved. But the CRM today is so much more than I think people traditionally think about what a CRM is supposed to do and be, especially mm, okay. in our industry. Um, we, yeah, well, we look at it. I or what I see most most builders looking at it is it's this prospecting resource. It's a way to get data and analytics, and it's kind of the pre-sale. But when you think about your customer relationship management 
platform. And you think about getting the most out of it and making sure you put the most in it. We don't stop at the sale in home building, right? Yeah. They sign on the contract and you need to get that customer all the way through and past the closing table, giving them a great experience and then being able to take that data and that information and recycle it back to the beginning for the next customer and, and what you learned. And we're kind of narrowing our view as what a CRM is supposed to do yeah. or what we think we want it to do. Um, and so we do, we definitely see just, I think people coming around and then it's this idea of, like I said, it's the marketing team and what are they using? And then you've got all of these other great tools. So we come in because of the CRM, but then we're asked to connect 15 different other things they want integrated into their CRM that yep. they've kind of piecemealed together. And so how does that all work together? So I do think it's time or people need to look at it just slightly differently than we have been and what it can do and the benefits to the sales team. I think I had that challenge running a sales and marketing team and what my marketers needed from my sales team Yet there was never the view in to really show the ROI to the sales team that if we can get this and we can do this, here's your backup. Here's how you're going to get what you need out of marketing and and bringing those things together. So I, you know, I think we're still walking that line with with CRMs and really being able to do all of this the right way. So you would is it fair to say then that your perspective? I'm putting this totally words in your mouth that that for the most part, home building companies view it more as a, as a PRM, like a prospect relationship management tool versus a customer relationship management tool. Yeah, definitely. And that, that makes total sense. You think about lots of great systems that exist out there for home builders where, you know, the customers can make selections, purchase agreements, accounting, um, ordering of materials, all this stuff is tied in and you, and you kind of are like, wait, in the, in a somewhat demented, twisted way, our accounting system has more customer data in it than our CRM does. Like the CRM has, for, for a lot of people, has contact information, first name, last name, maybe some of what they picked, but the actual accounting controller type software product has way more information about what the customer ultimately uh, chose to put in their house and the, and the selections they made. And that is kind of strange when you, when you think about it from that perspective. It is. And so t talk to us a little bit about Taylor Morrison's journey. And again, we can, we can edit this out. We can do it however, so if you want it. But th this, this idea of creating one system, is that just complete pie in the sky, wishful thinking? It's not. It feels like it, but it takes a lot of forethought and journey mapping and kind of take a step back before you take a step forward. But if you look at... Typically, what we're asking of our salespeople, sometimes we have one system for our, our marketing team. And then we have a system that's the, the CRM or the prospect management tool that our sales team is using. But then we need them to use another system to do some quoting or figure things out. And then we have an interactive sales office. We want them to learn how to log in and update and use. And then they have a, a backend or an ERP system to actually write the contract. And then there's, I mean, there's, there's 10 systems that your salesperson has to work in. And at the end of the day, what matters most to them is selling a home. So that's the system they're going to learn the best and they're going to focus on. Mm -hmm. And so the journey we took is what can we do? What platform can we be on? How can we look at all of the tools every department needs and integrate those so that this role or this salesperson, because at the end of the day, they control a lot of the data and the information that we need. 
They have one easy place to do everything and then make that tool something that is going to make their life easier, that is going to uh, manage their time better. And if we manage them through it and make it important to us, then they can in one system kind of touch all of the other pieces. So it isn't pie in the sky, it can be done, but it's not something that can be done overnight or doesn't take, you know, slowing down your process and kind of really putting in a bigger view and a little bit of a journey map to get there. Okay. I'm going to feed this question to Andrew and then have him (laughs) repeat it. Uh, Just in terms of the, so you said it's not pie in the sky, but let's talk about different size organizations that should be thinking about this. And um, it doesn't have to, the answer doesn't have to be just medium or large ones, but just your perspective on someone who might say I'm too small. I don't know how you want to reword that, Andrew, but I'll let you ask it. Ooh, as far as a single system or I guess. Yeah, not. like so, so so she just said single system is totally attainable if you think about it. But if you're doing 50 homes a year, is single system, is it worth that effort right now? Is it easier because you're smaller? Just kind of those questions about size and scale as you're trying to make this happen. Okay, okay, gotcha, gotcha. Okay, uh, question for you. Would you categorize the size of home builders as far as what should their goal be? Like, can they have a single system if they are 50 homes? But maybe they're 300 homes. Maybe that is there like a cutoff as far as investment level and what type of CRM they should be using? Or do you think it can be like, okay, every, this could really work for any, any size home builder and actually will make the smaller builder have more efficiency where they can grow better or, or yeah, just ha- have made a time managing? Better make better decisions even. Yep. Day to day. Exactly. Yeah. I, I mean, I am a little biased in answering that question. <laughs> but- of course. <laughs> but I do feel like from a financial standpoint, and, and there are multiple systems I think out there that can do this, right? So let me step out of that that role of my company only implement Salesforce. And if you can find a software platform, and I think that's the key, right? Big, small, stop looking at it as individual softwares that do all of these things and I need to figure out what I'm going to do and start looking at it more holistically as let me look at a platform. Mm -hmm. And even if I only do 50 homes a year, am I going to stay at 50 homes a year? Do I, you know, what does the sales team look like for that? What kind of growth do I want in the future? Do I want to do this again in two years when I do grow from 50 to 300 homes? So I think it, it becomes personal from a budgeting standpoint and what individual builders are looking to do. I mean, there's definitely times when we'll talk to a builder and say, we think there's a way within your budget, if you're smart about it, that you should probably not be where we are, right? So I would say, yes, there's definitely a size. But then we've had very small builders who are putting a higher value on the investment in technology than others. And so they want to go ahead and spend the money and do this Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. the first time. Yep, And so we're surprised by that. So I, I think yeah. it, it, it varies. And I think there's some qualities about systems that you're using, our platforms that you're using that are important no matter what. And I'll give a kind of a silly example. There's a tool called Podium out there that is a, a texting, chat, Facebook messenger kind of single inbox solution for an inside sales team to use. And it does a lot of things well. But one of the things that it doesn't do and, and why we do not recommend you use it is it does not allow data portability, meaning all the information, all the conversations, all the contact information that happens when a customer goes on your website, uses the Podium widget to talk to you, et cetera, is locked in that system. 
And if you're using a system that is is locked from a data portability standpoint, or who you have to ask permission before you can gain access to it, just like when we talk about owning your own analytics account or fa- Facebook account for ads or, or Google ads, et cetera, data portability at any size. So there, there is some commonality in terms of things to be looking for even if you're not necessarily ready for a Salesforce or even a lasso, you're, you know, I'm selling 10 homes a year. Does this episode apply to me at all? Yeah, it does. Cause there's still some key pieces like data portability that you need to be thinking about analyzing any platform CRM or otherwise that are, that are important. Definitely. Um, anything like that, that, that I'm missing or that would be another key point to just to make sure that. You know, I would say looking at, companies that are investing in themselves. Mm-hmm. So, and and even small companies will will do that. But part of where we've kind of come into a roadblock and why this I feel like the last year or two has been such a conversation in home building around technology is traditionally our systems are ones that you kind of implement and they don't change. Right. So things are changing too quickly. And all of those other products, like the one you just mentioned, if you're using, they're changing quickly. So that data portability or, or making sure you're choosing systems that have open APIs, they're cloud-based, they're going to play well in the sandbox. But you want to choose systems, even as a small company, that when technology changes in 8 to 12 months, is that company investing in itself so that you can utilize their software? Mm-hmm. And see these new benefits, or is it going to become, you know, old news in a short amount of time because they're not continually updating and investing in themselves? Right. Good. Good points. All, all of those in terms of cloud-based and and open APIs. Can't tell you the the number of times that we're on a coaching call, whether it's related to a website development issue or CRM issue, and it, we start talking about all the things that. You know, you'd think people would be excited about the future and the potential and what if it could do this. And more often than not, because of the lack of so many of those things, it's, you just can see the excitement level going down on everyone else's face except for mine because they're like, oh, my gosh, no, please stop talking because they're just thinking about all the systems that don't talk to each other, don't communicate, are not cloud-based, require you know, a local server to, to run all, all those things. So those, those are all really good good points. For the marketers, let's let's pivot. And Andrew, I know this will be close to your heart as well. Just mm-hmm. what are some things that when you say mark marketing, or we should be thinking more broadly about CRM, what are what are some things that that would make marketers' ears perk up? And then we'll shift into it. Uh, this last point here before we, we shift entirely to a different topic is just adoption of of CRM and and how you know what can marketers do to help. But first let's just talk about things that you've seen people use CRM for in, in a way that some builders might not be on their radar at all right now? So I think the concept around traffic and properly logging that traffic and how you can tie the the people who are physically walking through your door hmm. with where we're spending our money. Because obviously we have a lot of great tools around the online world and the leads visiting our website and tracking people and where they're clicking and what they're doing. But then when they walk through our door, what is it we're trying to track there? So if I walk through your door and as a salesperson, I ask you, how did you hear about us or what brought you in today? And you tell me it's an an email blast. Okay. Well, for me to have gotten an email blast from you, 
I heard about you or I did something to give you my email. Right. So I'm taking it all the way back to what, what really, <laughs> you know, and so I think being able to look at the data and kind of realize what you're spending money on and, and the difference between web traffic and how many of those points it takes and those engagements it takes to get someone through our door, what brought them to actually get up out of their chair and come visit. And was it something we did or is it we just stayed in front of them long enough that they now have a life change that it's time for them to get serious about looking for a house and they've been receiving your emails for three or four months. And so they're like, oh, we need to go you know, look here and making sure that, and that's something that if the CRM is doing right and salespeople are doing it right, you're capturing that traffic and those data points within the CRM. Once the salesperson is engaging on a face-to-face basis, rather than we're just tracking what someone's doing digitally, I think that can be really important to marketers that consumer segmentation and demographics and tying that to what people are actually buying can be really good for marketers, especially when we start planning and marketing new communities and what's next, who do we need to go after? What are they really buying? What do we need to showcase to that particular buyer? Because we now have a history of data that says these people buy these things and it takes them on average three visits to make that decision once we can get them through the door. So I think those are things we've seen people utilize CRM data for to push back to marketing uh, that have that have really helped. That is awesome. So so in other words, seeing that digital journey before they get to the model home or even like the catalyst. So like maybe like <laughs> we see this often like, oh, PPC or Google Ads is is great. It's the be all to end all. It is the it's what we need to spend money on. But then seeing what happened before they converted on, say, a brand term. So they searched the builder's name and then they signed up and said, hey, I want to come by. Well, it wasn't the brand term. That was the reason that they converted is all the interactions before on the website. So being able to see the 50 pages, 20 pages or category of pages that that lead visited on the site and other traffic sources, they they came to the site before they submitted the form and then came out to to the model is is crucial i think about it yeah you say it out loud and you're like well of course why would we not need to know that information like how do you have a system that doesn't have that but that's not always so so simple and then segmenting those people easily segmenting those people based on their interactions yeah even automatically potentially segmenting those people I, i think what's interesting is there was a huge trend i want to say around 10 12 years ago where a big buzz in industry was think retail. Everyone should be thinking retail. You're a retailer. You're a retailer. And when it comes to technology, we've kind of abandoned that idea that we're retail because retail is all about tracking everything. I mean, they all have the loyalty card and they all have the the cameras and they all have the security slash counter piece when you're walking in. They're 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 not leaving that to chance. And that's that's why we brought the door folks on and why as an industry we like to peek at what automobile sales organizations are doing because holy cow they again at a different level than we are they're investing in the technology and the integrated systems uh to, to pull that off um i think the other thing that was interesting that i heard you talking about there was um like the the things that just aren't tracked at all from from a in-person interaction i can't tell you how many builders we we ask do you track appointments? And they say, oh, sure, we track online appointments you know, from the website that are scheduled for people to come in. I'm like, no, no, no. The appointment 
from anywhere, not just the ones that are coming from an online forum or a phone call. Like, so if someone, and they, they look at me like I have four heads and they say <laughs> real slowly. So you're saying, do I track if someone walks into my model home, if they have an appointment or not? And I say, yes. And they, then they're like, why would I want it? Why would I need to do that? What am I learning? Why would you not want I'm to like, Oh that? my gosh, that is the <laughs> single like biggest missing conversion data point that I see a lot of builders have. And what's interesting is not every CRM system makes that easy to track. So uh, if you're using a out of the box thing, like, uh, I don't even know if they're used as much anymore, Zoho or, uh, sugar CRM. I mean, all these weird names that I don't hear as yeah. much anymore, but they're kind of out of the box, pay 10 bucks, get a CRM system in place. And then you talk to the sales team and I'm like, so if someone walks in and they have a meaningful conversation at your desk or at the kitchen island about pricing and options and availability, it's gone way beyond just to take a tour and let me know if you have any questions. Can you track that other than changing a rating? Can you track that actually occurring? No. Nope. And, and have no idea what I'm even talking about. Yeah, no, a, a lot don't. Um, we We have created for a lot of our customers... Uh, the be back button, basically, and, and the encouragement and training and adoption around yeah. every time somebody walks back through your door, you can either log the appointment or the visit, or you can push a button and, and do the be backs. And we do get the same question. Well, you want us to every time. And why is that important? Well, don't you want <laughs> to know how many visits it takes certain people to make a buying decision? And not only that, when you do have kind of the stronger software and platforms, that you're using, those analytics start to come together um, where I can, as a manager or as a salesperson, I can look at the probability of this person buying because I can see over the course of time, this is how many times they've come in. And on average, it takes this many visits. And so this person is my next sale because they've, or I just need to get them in one more time and my probability of getting them to buy goes up because I know on that third visit, that's yeah. when people make a buying decision. Yep. So, it, but most most systems still today haven't kind of started making that easy for salespeople or for people to to track to track that um, and move yeah. the. I can't tell you forward. how many times over my sales management career I would have a salesperson be like, "It's just not fair, Kevin. You're making me count backs. You're tracking appointments versus just a a, a visit uh, or a tour, and like you don't understand, Kevin." And I'm not great at math either, by the way, in my head. So I don't fault them for this. Uh, but it's just a conversation I had to have a lot. It's not fair that you're counting all those beatbacks because it messes up my conversion rate. And I used to, I used to smile. <laughs> I'd be like, that's why the conversion rate numbers are so itty bitty, itty bitty tiny as an overall percentage of your visits. Because if one person visits you four times and then you sell them, that's a 25% conversion rate. That would be incredible. Uh, and, and they're like, oh, okay, I get it. So I think, and you, you mentioned this, a lot of this is just helping them understand what's in it for me, which is kind of obvious, but also the, the many steps or the building blocks that help helps marketing get more data to help them too. Like it's, there's multiple ways that a CRM can help them. It can help them help themselves. The permission to forget is one of the things that Mike and Jen on our team talk a lot about. Hey, a, a good CRM gives you permission to for, kind of forget about that person until you need to remember them again so you can focus on the next person in front of you. But there's also data that can help marketing help you as well. And I think sometimes we just have to slow down and kind of show the math a little bit. 
in some of these situations. Absolutely. Okay, let's um let's pivot here before we run out of time. And I, I you've had a great career in multiple different home building organizations. You're at Apostle Tech. Uh, by all uh, measurements, you you love it there. You're in charge of culture, so if anyone should love it there, it would be it would be you. <laughs> You're having a blast. You're enjoying life, and yet you started doing something else in addition to it. So tell us a little bit about that, and then we're gonna really spend a couple minutes diving into why, and I'll, I'll explain to everyone why this is so important to me, but what, what, what else are you doing, Abby? Sure. So I started a nonprofit uh-huh. and it's called Kindly and it's spelled with two Y's. That's really important. Um, is that the nonprofit where you kindly remind salespeople to put data in the system or you smack them? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Be kindly with a really big stick. Ask you to do that. Um, no, it has nothing to do with home building whatsoever. Um, <laughs> it's, um, <laughs> you know, I think my experience and in, in my career and what I've done. So when I look at overall, I've, I've had to do a lot of management and operations and, all this other kind of stuff. And I am now in in a role where the majority of what I do with our organization is I focus on our people. And I've also always taken the approach that when your employees are happy, when people are happy, customers are happy, but great things can happen. And I, I think like all of us, we're in a world where we would like to see a bit more compassion and kindness and human connection. And I just had a lot of things going on in my own life that led me to want to help people figure this out. So I started Kindly as a nonprofit that really is focused on what I would say normal people (laughs) and how they can deal with stress and find better ways to hold themselves accountable to compassion and empathy in their personal and their professional relationships. That is... Awesome. And the the background, I don't know that I've ever talked about this on the podcast. I think I've only done it at a few very small select private events. This idea of, you know, there's always going to be another community to sell. There's always going to be another home to sell. There's always going to be a new salesperson to train, a new employee to train. You know, that even when you excel at what you do, there is a rhythm to business that never ends. And and if you've been successful in your career in particular, like you have been, Abby, or I've been fortunate to have in, in my case, you can get in a position, and this is a, a super deep insight maybe into my mind. You know, at NVR, when I was a market manager, there were 80-some employees that I was responsible for interacting with in all different parts of the business. And of course, we had great systems and support at NVR. But I, I had had great success, and yet I looked around and I was like, did I ever set out to become this? Not. Not really. Like my skill set and whatever, you know, the, the teams that I had been around with, for some reason I was here, but it wasn't an intentional choice that I'd made. Success had just kind of carried me along. And so then when Mike Line and I started talking about um, me joining him at Do You Convert and, and growing things here, that was, a, that was a, an important pivot point for me of saying I'm taking the intentionality back that I had when I was a younger person of setting very clear short-term and medium goals and then attaining them and saying, I, I need to reset. So in this reset pivot kind of mindset of, of success, you know, you, you can say, I'm just going to kind of start coasting now in my career. You can say, I'm going to, um, you know, just kind of double down on making as much money as I can. Or what I think will speak to a lot of people in the audience, especially, um, 
I don't want to stereotype, but, but younger folks of younger generations is find something that has a different meaning for you and just give that five to 10% of your time in effort towards that. It, it, it's not always starting a nonprofit like you did. And sometimes it's helping in a, another nonprofit. You know, if you can build really good ads as a marketer or create really great content, there's, there's all these ways that you can either get involved with an organization, start an organization, or at the very, very least, tap someone on the shoulder and mentor them uh, so that you're multiplying your own abilities. And so I think it's awesome uh, that, that now how long have you been doing this? Just about a year now. Okay. So yeah. that's, this is the time yeah. where it's like, is this, is this real? Are we going to, was this just for fun or are we? Yeah, no, it's, it's definitely pivoting into real. We're, we're doing it, Kevin. Awesome. We're doing it. Awesome. <laughs> but I do, <laughs> I think it's important. And in, in when you have, when you have the experience now and you're at a place in your career that you can either give back and help others or, you know, what I, I look at is we don't all have the ability. I would love to say we all have, we should all jump our jobs and go start our own businesses and be entrepreneurs and this whole <laughs> concept around live your best life and do what you love. And, and the reality is number one, we need people to do all of the jobs. Right. right. Because if people aren't out there doing the jobs, what are, how are you going to get your groceries delivered to you so that you don't have to leave your couch if there isn't someone who wants the job to deliver the groceries? Right. right. Mm -hmm. So we all can't just say we're going to up and quit or we don't like our manager or, you know, this is what's going on at work. But what we can do is find something that we are, we are passionate about that fills our cup in a place that maybe we're not getting at work or, you know, in different aspects. And what it does when you can grab onto that and you can give back and you can fill your cup up that way, it makes it a lot easier for you to deal with the stresses and the things that maybe aren't exactly where you want to be as you continue to figure out how you're going to get where you want to be. And so I think yep. that's how I started. Kindly, it's not that I wasn't happy in my job, but there was something that I was no longer getting out of showing up and doing my day to day. Mm -hmm. and kindly filled that up. And now what kindly does is it allows me to teach and give skills to others to help them do the same thing. Yeah. I mean, it's, I, I think you said it exactly right. You don't have to leave what you're doing because you might still be very, very skilled at that and the best person to do that role. But the other kind of plus one in today's world of social media, and, and sometimes, you know, you read a lot of headlines of people feeling disconnected. I've also just found that, you know, there's only so much lack of connection that you can have. And when you, when you bring that passion to an organization or a cause that desperately needs your help, you also find oftentimes uh, a new kind of corral of relationships that, that can add meaning uh, to your life. And uh, like the silly one here is Jeff Turner is, is an example of that. Uh, for those who might not know, he was on the podcast, go find his episode. He was a keynote, but he's just a guy who's like in my world who has no real reason to be in my world. And yet we have an extremely close and deep friendship uh, probably closer than most people who live in my own town. In fact, I would say definitely closer than most people who live in my own town. And I, it's you know, so so having those other other things that stretch you, I think, is awesome. Uh, so we'll make sure to link to kindly. And so also, just I have to ask, adding kindness and and joy broadly, like what what exactly are you helping, or can you give some tangible examples of what that looks like? How you how you're doing that with kindly. Sure. So I think we're looking at kindness and joy a little bit differently. We we talk about it being more of a value than a, a feeling. 
And I think the biggest thing is giving people ways to actually hold themselves accountable to it and easier ways to do things. If it's not meditation or mindfulness or, you know, how you interact with someone. My, my biggest takeaway, the one thing I talk about all the time when we do our teaching of strengthening your joy joints is breathe in empathy, breathe out gratitude, and then choose joy. And it's a great way to kind of help you have a kinder or more compassionate reaction with someone who might be coming at you in a negative way if you do those three steps. Awesome. All right. Well, that's a wrap. Thanks so much for for joining us. We've been after you for at least uh, a couple months now. So appreciate you making it on. And um, thank you look so forward much. to having you on again soon. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Always a pleasure to have a new guest on the podcast and especially a big thank you to Abby for joining us on the first official episode of 2020. Great way to kick off the new year. She's also posting some great, just kind of inspirational, good, insightful content as well around uh, Kindly. If you follow her on social media, so make sure you check out the links in the show notes to do that. Again, thanks so much, Abby, for coming on. All right, let's hop on over to your answers to our last question of the week, which was, oh my gosh, a while ago, but we got a lot of good answers in here. So yeah, the last question of the week was, what new technologies are you looking forward to using in 2020 to enhance the home shopping or buyer experience? Nice. So we got uh, a tie for first place, interactive maps and site plans and chat, I believe, are tied for first. could see that. And we're working on some content around chat to try to help you guys out later on in 2020. So it'll be awesome. Interactive maps and site plans. uh, I feel like we were already there, but but I think amping that up is always a good idea. And for those of you who haven't started that yet, I'm really excited about the next one, which is unattended access. I can't wait. I I can't wait to have people do this more so that we can hear more experiences from it. It Exactly. Yeah, I feel like that is the start of possible change. And I don't know how I want to say that, but the uh, OSC is becoming more important. They are extremely important, but... Does that make any sense? Like, yeah, I think it is going to level up the importance if, of having be handling those people. Well, I think they should it, be. Yeah. It seems like well, like if they're like talking at that moment with them, like that interaction. If depending on the setup. Yep. Interactive design tools for interior selections is number four, and that one I think is super critical. And remember, the hack there is you don't have to do this for all of your floor plans. Just do it for a handful to give people at least an idea of the ability that they are going to have once they interact with you. It does not have to be a build your home, add it to the cart and check out experience. It just has to be better. Like we talked about in our story time segment, Andrew, just it's that next step that you can take without having to roll it out as a full on make your selections tool for, for the house you're buying. Yeah, that'd be cool. And then last but not least is AR VR. Only three people chose that one. And I've seen a lot of interaction in emails. In fact, someone who works with the Jeff Shore team included me on an email as well and was like, hey, who is doing VR and AR like incredibly well? I'll fly anywhere I need to to go see it. <laughs> and wow. Jeff and his yeah. team and myself were all kind of like, mm, save your frequent flyer miles for 
a different purpose because no one has really implemented that in, in a way where consumers are responding to it at the level you need to to make that type of investment worth it. So mm-hmm. still something that's going to be buzzing out there, but the, those were your answers. And now for our new question of the week, what I want to do is talk about what part of your business, your your company's business, do you feel like is going to be the biggest opportunity for improvement in 2020? What is it going to be the sales organization, sales training, uh, conversion, the sales organization? Is it going to be marketing and specifically on-site or online marketing? Is it going to be product? Is it going to be land? What is the, you know, this is a phrase we used at MVR when I was there. I don't know if they still use it or not, but you know, what's your biggest limiting factor? And if that improves, what would have the biggest improvement on your business? Another way to talk about this, we, we talked, I don't know if it was on the podcast or with a builder partner about like that first year of having a true online sales program, it pops. And even year two, it, it pops again. And you're just like, whoa, what happened? This is amazing. And then year three and beyond is, is about continual improvement and smaller wins, still important wins, but as a percentage of growth, it's going to start trailing just naturally. And so then your next biggest win may be from that handoff, which is one of the reasons that that I think Jen wants to talk about this at the Builders Show. So again, the answer is going to be every, different for everyone. It doesn't mean that that part of your business is broken now. So again, be bold with your answers here. But you know, just what part of your organization do you feel like has the biggest opportunity to break out in 2020 and have a positive impact on your results? It's a great question. It'll be great if, be if people be, are brave enough to, be to brave. throw it out there. <laughs> 2020. New year, new year. Be brave. But again, you can pick another department. It doesn't have, you mean you're like, oh, it's not me, but hopefully they, they better get better. <laughs> better <laughs> get some people better out. land. Good land makes it all easy, doesn't it? <laughs> uh, shoot. Well, that'll do it for this week. For published articles, blog posts, videos, and more, check out doconvert.com. It's also the best way to find out how to connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and everywhere else we are online. Don't forget, we did start a LinkedIn uh, Market Proof Marketing Group. For those of you who do not have a Facebook account, you can join in and stay connected there as well. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next time. See ya. Bye.